0: Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome everyone to the second episode of SaaS Backwards, a podcast that helps SaaS CMOs and CEOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. We take a look at what's working for growing SaaS companies, what didn't work and why, and we also ask our guests for their best guess as to what lies ahead, hopefully making our podcast something of a mastermind. Our guest today is serial CMO, Chalva Chekatoa. Today, we'll be focused on his experience as a CMO at multiple SaaS companies and what it takes to be successful as a new CMO at a SaaS concern. Hey Chalva, before we get going, could you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, your recent experiences?
1: Sure, Ken. Thanks for uh, having me on the program today. I appreciate it and uh, be glad to certainly share some of my experiences over the years in large and small companies uh, on the technology frontier. In terms of my background, you know, I started off my career in global advertising for about seven years working for Y&R, so that was really a good foundational kind of launchpad pad to then moving on into a, a strategy role at Accenture and then really on to kind of global marketing roles, both at Accenture in that technology practice, and then moving on to a couple of Fortune 1000 companies in senior marketing roles, and then to a CMO to several SaaS companies that were going through a hypergrowth phase and certainly being at the forefront of the challenges that they endure on a day-to-day basis. Being a CMO, you're always at the front line or on the firing line, I, I should say, of you know pushing innovation and change, but also being a, a catalyst for for growth.
0: Yeah, definitely. the The CMO is definitely the hot seat in the C suite, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the company and what opportunities they're going after.
1: Sure. I'm currently uh, on the advisory board of a very early stage startup called Factual VR. The company really straddles virtual reality and augmented reality, and they've developed a platform called HyperTunnel. And it all sounds very futuristic, but the essence of HyperTunnel is how do you teleport knowledge workers into really high-risk environments? So the kind of use cases for the company are uh, utility, you know, nuclear power plants, oil and gas, and it's very cool technology. And it's all about how do you create a digital twin? Now, people look at me and say, well, what the hell is a digital twin? I always bring them back to the analogy of Apollo 13 when you know NASA was trying to bring the, uh, the capsule back to Earth. The only way they could do that was to mirror the exact environment that the astronauts were facing uh, in space and create the exact conditions and all the materials that they had in the actual capsule and in essence, almost reverse engineer the processes to be able to bring the capsule back and the astronauts back safely to Earth. So that's really what is driving kind of digital twin technology through HyperTunnel. So again, Factual VR, very early stage kind of mixed reality company. And I'm serving as an advisor on their advisory board along with several uh, other individuals, uh, professors, and subject matter experts as well. So it's a it's a cool time, and it's very cool technology. Uh, we're, we're happy, we're excited to bring to market.
0: Uh, it's a great idea to be able to take an expert and, through another work in a remote location, let them get their hands on whatever equipment needs to be looked at and managed. It's a great idea. And I think VR and and AR, they're looking for high-value use cases, right? So this it actually looks like a pretty high value use case. Absolutely.
1: And then the other challenge you have, especially in the utility sector, is you have an aging workforce. So a lot of people are starting to retire. What you're starting to see is a fairly significant knowledge gap. So I think one of the key values of this technology is how do you start to really kind of minimize that knowledge gap by training younger workers, you know, again, through teleport. So yeah, it's a big need at the moment.
0: Terrific. I want to turn to kind of the the larger theme of this episode which is the new marketing leader and their situation and being successful as a new CMO in a software company and you know it's something i've written a fair amount about i'm passionate about the topic and i know you are as well so maybe we can talk just a little bit about what you think new CMOs need to be mindful of as they come into you know a company that's really looking to propel growth and you know that's why they've hired you Sort of how do you get your bearings and you know what do those first few weeks look like from your point of view?
1: I'm going to cover that in, in two seconds, but what I did want to just touch on quickly is the role of the CMO is evolving very rapidly. So I mean, you have a CMO today, but the truth is probably in the next three to five years, that role might probably morph into a CM. To so uh, Chief Marketing Technology Officer. And the reason I say that is any new CMO coming into uh, a technology high growth SaaS company has to have a pretty good technical and technology understanding of the marketing stack and different productivity solutions, suites, etc. And, and how do you build that up as part of uh, your remit? So I just want to point that out that and more and more, as, you know, as I talk to CEOs, as I you know, look at different companies, the technology aspect of it is becoming absolutely mission-critical. Gone are the days of just being a brand strategist, per se.
0: And just to build on that, so the thought is that the CMO needs to be a student not only of their craft and of the business of the company they're joining, but also of the, the tools and technologies that are going to make sales and marketing work well individually and together.
1: A hundred percent. Again, so you're looking at the marketing stack. So what automation platform do you have? How is the website built? And is it the right platform to support and propel the growth of the company? You know, what is the integration into the CRM look like? What kind of analytics are you overlaying to drive and extract key customer data, etc. So again, to your point, all the different aspects of not only the marketing stack, but also the different digital strategies and investments that you need to make to really be able to get your prospect acquisition and lead generation activity up significantly to build a robust demand generation engine. So going back to your question, I think what's absolutely critical is coming into a new organization is the first day is the first day you make a lasting impression in the organization. So hopefully by the time you've actually joined the company on day one, you've actually been doing your homework a month before in terms of really understanding as much as you can on your own in terms of... You know, the competitive marketplace, get the overview decks, not only from sales, but maybe existing marketing plans, understanding the product roadmap. So try and be as informed as you can before actually starting on day one. Because the truth is, in, in the high growth SaaS, it's a sprint all the way. There's very little window of, oh, okay, <laughs> you know we'll, we'll give you one or two weeks, kind of a period where you can acclimate to the new organization, the new surroundings. So I think it's day one it's coming in, obviously meeting with the CEO, the management team, the functional leads, and really starting to understand and to connect the dots across the organization. I mean, I'm a big, big proponent of whiteboards and you know and ideating all over the place, so my if you ever walk into my office, I look like a mad scientist, but the point is I try to you know, speak to the functional heads, marketing, sales, uh, customer experience teams, et cetera, success managers, but really start to connect the dots. Is what I'm hearing, is it consistent or where are some of the gaps? And as you start to really kind of hone in on some of the gaps, that really starts to lay the foundation of the plan you're going to start building, which is really your 100-day plan. And you should have that delivered, I would say probably within the first 30 days. So your first month is really a discovery. I call it the discovery tour. And it's really meeting with people across the organization, talking to some customers, some high-value customers, introducing yourself, but really start to put together the building blocks of not only the 100-day plan, but what is the tactical plan, at least at a high level, that's going to support that going forward. So absolutely critical. And then also is certainly understanding the CEO remit and the mandate for the company two years down the road is the goal for it to be acquired, to raise money. Again, some of these things might not necessarily come out in the interview process, but the sooner you can get underneath the covers and understand what some of the longer-term growth initiatives and plans are for the company, I think it's absolutely mission critical to the success of the CMO.
0: Yeah, I have to say that, you know, my... My observation is the greatest failures and success for new marketing leaders has been all about that CEO conversation. Mm-hmm. You know if they really do understand what the CEO's motivation is, then the plan they build it's not just their vision and the things that are shared more widely, but I think you know you have to become the CEO's confidant to mm-hmm. some extent and gain their confidence that you can get them where they want to go. But maybe flipping that on its head a little bit, does the CEO have a role in the success of the new CMO?
1: Absolutely. And, and I think very often where you see catastrophic failure in a CMO's ability to be successful is the misalignment and mismanaged expectations with the CEO. Now, In the interview process, you know, you might think you're aligned, you know, you've had the discussions, obviously the CEO and the board are the final decision makers on bringing you on board, but coming in, you absolutely, that a CEO is the catalyst to your success. So what are some of the things you should be looking for and aligning yourself on with the CEO of a new new, uh, company? And you touched on one of them, certainly, you know, the vision. You know, are you bought into the vision as it clearly articulated? And, and this is the important part: is the rest of the management team on the same page? So again, once you're doing your discovery tour in the first thirty days, and you're talking to your management peers and uh, different functional leaders, is the vision that you're hearing is it consistent across the organization? When it's not, and you start to see cracks, you know that there's trouble looming ahead. So that's very, very important. I think the next thing is the agenda that you have is to be, I think, very transparent about what you hope to be able to accomplish, obviously taking in the feedback from, from your peers and your, your marketing team and, you know, already start to see the way you think and the way you kind of problem solve in terms of kind of giving an initial vision of how you're going to develop your agenda and, and remit. I think, again, the mandate has to be very clear. I mean, your mandate needs to be absolutely aligned with the CEO's expectations. And not only the mandate, but how are you going to, or how is the CEO going to measure your success You know, kind of criteria? What are the KPIs that should be in place that you both agreed upon, maybe in in the interview, but these need to be solidified once you start, that uh, align with the expectations of the management team, but also, most importantly the board, and the investors. So that, uh, you know, I can't say enough about making sure that these KPIs, and there's no discrepancy or gray areas in terms of how you will be evaluated.
0: Is that something that the CEO needs to share and endorse with the top management team?
1: Absolutely. I remember, you know, at the start of every fiscal year, what we would do is when we'd have our management uh, kind of planning sessions, I would. I mean, this is. A little, I mean, this is. You know, several years into the role, but I would outline these are the key performance indicators that I will be measuring against, benchmarking my team against the business, and against how we hit our revenue goals. So I would outline maybe five or six KPIs. Then sales would align to some of those KPIs, but then they would have additional KPIs. So then every the member of the management team would know exactly what their peers' KPIs are. So then you start to almost kind of lock that train and you're all aligned because obviously, you know, if you're in customer support, your KPIs are going to be a little different. But yeah, I think it's critical that everyone shares and everybody's on board with everybody else's KPIs. So there's, again, there's no discrepancy, you know what you're signing up for, and and it's an important commitment.
0: Great. Hey, so we've been talking a lot about kind of the measurables and the the methods, like, you know, what what do you do how do you do it? And you know on our blog, there's a hundred day plan that people can download if they'd like to get to that. Um, and I appreciate, by the way you're you're helping us with some of that content That was really awesome. But I want to shift gears a little bit. so we you know there's methods, there's timelines, there's measurement. But you know you're going into a new company, you don't have the experience necessarily in the category. Do you have a way you try and arrive at the big idea? You know how do you get to the creative side of the process? How do you find that big idea or vision, and then how do you sell it into the organization?
1: It's a great question, and for most CMOs, it really starts with kind of fostering a culture of innovation in the workplace, which is easier said than done. If I think back to about maybe two a year and a half to maybe two years ago, you know, Adage called the kind of the culture of innovation probably the single biggest challenge facing uh, senior marketing leaders today. And that's where obviously the critical roadmap comes in. And remember, I said you need your hundred-day plan, but you also need to develop your roadmap, which is much more tactics driven. And that's where the kind of the brainstorming, the analysis, you know, the kind of deep thinking comes in in terms of okay, we know what our revenue targets are, we know what our goals are for the year. Okay, now how do we start to reverse engineer? Those targets to break it down on a month by month basis, almost down to a weekly basis. What do we need to be doing? What are some of the programs that we want to look at? What's worked in the past? What hasn't worked in the past? What are the big ideas we want to try and double down potentially? So I think it's important to have the big idea. Big ideas typically address a longer term, big kind of maybe revenue gap. So you're going to invest more money. But you can't put all your eggs in one basket. So I think along with developing a big idea as you ideate on the tactical plan or the marketing roadmap, I think you need to have small wins uh, you know, that on a kind of weekly, a bi-weekly and monthly cadence to show that you're progressing the business forward. And, and when I say small wins, it could be something as simple as a new landing page, how is it converting, you know, and tracking it on a on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. It could be growth hacks on your website for example i remember we teased a new uh, chatbot on when i was at eventry which was an event management software platform we had this chatbot and it wasn't converting for us and we you know we kept having to develop new scripts new scripts new scripts within 3 weeks we've gone through like set, seven script iterations and all of a sudden it clicked so when our uh, inside sales teams were offline all of a sudden, when people were inquiring, going on our site, it was starting to convert for us, and it was like a eureka moment. So, what I'm saying is, I think it's great to have the big idea in terms of whatever that's going to be, and but it's in, equally as important to have uh, small wins that really show measurable progress on a weekly and monthly basis. I think the other part of the the big idea, uh, whatever that might be, is don't Go at it alone, and it's there's sometimes marketeers you know who are uh, can be incredibly creative people you know will lock themselves up in the in a conference room with maybe two or three lieutenants and try and hash through the big idea. Make sure you're inclusive, include maybe members from other departments to come in and maybe share their ideas on what's working in the customer experience area or customer support. I be open to outside inputs and ideas. I think that's where you, A, you're bringing the organization along with you on the big idea. But B, you get so much more input and creativity when you really open up the uh, the curtain to to other individuals in the organization.
0: So kind of to to distill what I heard from you, you're going to build credibility by your weekly and monthly accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And you're going to build community within the organization and alignment by including people from these other subject areas, these other functional areas in the business mm-hmm. in the development of that creative platform that might lead the business forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's uh, that's often a, a big miss with marketing is just thinking that, and even you know more junior members of the team. I mean, some of the junior members of my team, in my experience, certainly in the last three companies, have some of the best ideas, you know, there might be millennials, but they they look at the world differently and have some incredible ideas, but sometimes they don't want to speak up. And I think it's good to encourage and to embrace different viewpoints and see at the end of the day, what could work for the benefit of the organization.
0: Well, that's terrific. I I think we uncovered some really important advice in that segment. That's terrific. So uh, I want to ask you, any advice you would offer firms that are trying to figure out how to be successful within uh, this pandemic, and recognizing we're you know nine months into it, people have pro- probably tried a fair number of things. Is there anything you're seeing or thinking about how marketing can drive SaaS to more success? Maybe with a longer term view of the pandemic.
1: I'll say a couple of points here. Number one is SaaS companies, you know, cloud services companies, technology companies in general have been well-positioned because they do have, obviously, the technology and the productivity solutions to be able to work remotely. So, it, the impact hasn't been, in terms of disrupting kind of day-to-day operations, hasn't been significant. However, I think what is critically important is, under the pressure of unraveling uncertainty, is really striking the right tone, message, and actions that are critical to building trust and connection with your customers when they need it the most, kind of like a you know genuinely em- empathetic response, magnifying kind of the core values of a brand, it really affects customers, employees, and communities in these trying times. So I guess the point is don't be tone deaf, but really try and see how can I really help my customers through these tough times, uh, and I think that's a realization that. A lot of SaaS companies are kind of working through in terms of, you know, how can I just be that much more supportive and have a a bigger impact in helping my customers navigate this uncertainty? So, I mean, some things that SaaS companies are doing is turning data into meaningful content. Don't bombard your customers with a, a flurry of stuff that they really could care less about. Right now, what they're worried about is the sustainability of being able to have a business tomorrow. So, pause what you're doing from a content pipeline and really prioritize the information that's relevant to your customers. And I think that's important.
0: If you're running a SaaS that's operational for like a process or a manufacturing yeah. company, maybe it's helping those people to understand more of like what is the really impactful data that uh, the system is churning out. Mm-hmm. And how to apply it as exactly? Say.
1: Yeah. Um, now you know you might be receiving feedback from you know your sales teams. They're struggling with outbound sales because of the COVID nineteen. So you know how do you help them and support their uh, outbound sales efforts? Maybe with webinars and online events that are, could be of value to your customers. I think the other thing that SaaS companies need to look at, and it's really kind of do a deep dive into kind of the analytics of their business, you know, is there a way where potentially you could maybe drop your subscription prices? Obviously, SaaS companies, you know, it's a subscription models, different tiers. Is there a way that maybe you can, in the short term, maybe adjust your pricing model? I mean, I think these are things that companies should, should think about. But again, before taking any actions, I think, you know, SaaS companies in general need to observe user behavior, so their customer's behavior, and figure out how can I align and provide the right level of support at the right time uh, during these, these difficult times. Most customers don't need to be beaten to death with a horse whip with remote working tips or productivity webinars. They don't need that, okay? They're, you need to see what are the metrics that you're tracking? How are they signaling changes in behavior? people might scratch their head and say, well, how do you do that? Well, there's a, a unique technology that people use called social listening. So what are you picking up in terms of social listening from, from your customers and uh, customer sentiment? And what does that reveal about some of their pain points currently? And how can you help address some of that stuff? So asking customers what they need and how you can help is incredibly valuable during these these difficult times and again the more supportive you can be i mean you you know these are customers that will be customers for life if you can really be able to kind of help them navigate these difficult times but the biggest thing is don't estrange your customers don't try and push more transactions on them and just don't be tone deaf
0: that's perfect thank you one of the things i put here to ask you because i figured you've seen this before If you met an industry expert, somebody that's got some real subject matter expertise, but maybe they're not a SaaS expert, they're not a software company expert, any advice for that person who's considering launching their own SaaS firm?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've thought about it a little bit because I'm applying that same discipline. I'm encouraging the CEO of Factual VR to, to think through that lens as well. So I think, first and foremost, you have to be able to answer the following questions. Number one, does your company have a clear mission and objective? Now, that might seem obvious, but (laughs) it's not always that obvious (laughs) to a founder. Number two, what are some of the key performance indicators to help you measure success? Now, some of those KPIs that i like to look at and i think are important for you know very early stage companies are your customer acquisition costs once you start landing you know your first or second customer customer lifetime value gross profit margins how are you converting in the early days you know is your website is it optimized is it not so again just keeping a close eye on on your burn rate i think is critically important
0: these all sound like advice to become something of a student of the SaaS business model, don't
1: they? Yeah. But again, I think I think your question was related to if you're launching a SaaS-type company though, right? But I mean, I think you can apply those in general as well. You know, competitive marketplace, who are your competitors? Who are you competing against? Are you looking to position your company eventually as a market disruptor? And if so, you know, obviously you need to have the messaging to support it. What is your value proposition? What are your value drivers? Why should a customer care about your product or services? I mean, these are basic questions that you have to be able to answer. And again, I mean, the, the, the thing about keep an eye on your burn rate is preserve capital, don't scale too quickly, and don't hire too fast. So again, those are some metrics, if you like, or indicators that I think are important as you dive into the mechanics of the business. What's your operational process for sales going to look like? You know, what's your customer service? What kind of data are you going to be able to mine? Or what do you want to mine to, you know, to make your business as successful? And then resources, et cetera. And then obviously developing your product and roadmap, et cetera. There's a lot to unpack there, a lot to digest. But I mean, these are, I think, important considerations that any founder or SME that's looking to launch a SaaS company should be thinking about.
0: Terrific. So kind of wrapping things up, where do you go for information as a CMO? What are your favorite reads?
1: There's such a kind of wealth of information out there. But on a daily basis, I I read the journal every day. I mean, I just think it's in any business, you just need to know what's going on in the world and what's driving the markets, etc. But specifically on the marketing front, I look at marketing today. I look at what the Digital Marketing Institute publishes. I look at MarTech ad week and then my go-to bibles are fast company and inc <laughs> that's kind of my my preferred reading list
0: i agree with you on the the daily newspaper mm-hmm. you know i'm reading the new york times and the wall street journal every day front to back it's good to be informed so this was a great interview and episode i want to thank our guest chava chektoa and chava how can people reach you if they want to contact you to tap your brain They can
1: certainly reach me on LinkedIn at Chalva Chakotua, T-C-H-K-O-T-O-U-A, or my mobile, which is 646-258-8817. But the best way to reach me is really on on LinkedIn. I'm very active and uh, do respond pretty quickly to uh, any inquiries and connection requests.
0: That's terrific. And we'll have that on the episode page on our website and on uh, Buzzsprout, where we're hosted. And Chalva, we'll be talking soon, I hope and wish all our listeners a great day. Thanks so much.
1: Great, thank you, Ken.
0: Thanks for listening to the SaaS Backwards Podcast brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency that helps SaaS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales, and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com you can email Ken Lempett at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe and thanks again for listening.